0: Today, my guest is a drag queen. He's a gender funk performer and founder. He's the mother of gender funk and the Queer Collective. And he also does a little bit of teaching on the side. Today, my guest is Esther Ricardo. Thank you for coming on. Hola, hola, hola. How are you today? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, how's your day been so far?
1: I woke up an hour ago, so non-existent.
0: And we'll just give the the time right now for people listening is uh, two thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: le- I lead a very unusual life. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: what? Why? What's unusual about your life?
1: Well, just how it's structured. I'm not a nine to five girl. So yeah, like drag queens were creatures of the night. Of course, everyone knows that. And I my lifestyle is very Uh, all over the place in a way like i do a lot of work on the weekends maybe working till 4 or 5 a.m um so of course i sleep a little bit more in the day uh but in general i don't really get much sleep well recently i haven't anyway i'm trying to restabilize and get the balance i just got back from the uk so i've been in the uk for three months how was that fabulous actually the nhs was very delicious and free is that Um, why you went back Part of the reason, um, I got quite ill actually from overworking on gender funk, like I had exhaustion and other, that led to other things. Um, so it was great to get loads of free healthcare, take a rest in bed and yeah, just, it was super important to reconnect with where my performance, um, where, where it all started, like me performing and being a an gender fuck performer. Uh, so reconnecting with my beginnings and giving space for my ends, like gender funk, to continue without me, and see that people it can continue without me. So that was really cool. And just hanging out with my friends, like um, all these mentors and inspirations of the past, like re-inspired me and re-mentored me. And I came back, like, bam, let's be better, let's grow.
0: And how long had it been since you'd last been back? To two the... years. Yeah. yeah I so, had it, had it changed years. much? Did you find?
1: Yeah. Um. Yes. Like. In a way, like, some of the people have changed. Of course, all of them have changed. I mean, I've changed radically, like, massively. Um, some people have changed even better. Like, I-, I love them even more and the connection's even stronger. Some people have changed perhaps in ways that I don't like as much, but I still love them. Um, so, yeah, but England's still talking about Brexit. <laughs> that hasn't fucking changed. Can I swear? Ideally not. (coughs) Okay, I'll stop. Sorry. Drag queens are foul (laughs) mouths. But no, I won't.
0: Uh, I don't think there's many children that listen to it, but we try and keep it clean.
1: I'll keep it pissing. Um,
0: Yeah, with Brexit, I mean, I feel so bad for people that live in the UK. Like, I'm so sick of it, and I don't even live there. I have to deal with it. it, I I was back in July, and it just seems to be getting worse and worse.
1: Yeah, I left England because I was just sick of talking about Brexit around the dinner table. I was like, I can't with this anymore. I just Mm. cannot, like. I'll visit when you're all done with this. (laughs) You you, you have your whole bullshit. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, Brexit is entitled to one bullshit. uh, But yeah, I'm I'm not here to talk about Brexit.
0: (laughs) But we're we're, we're moving on already. Uh, So where are you from the UK? Because your accent, in the little bit of time I've been talking to you, I've picked up on an American accent, an Australian accent, and obviously an English accent.
1: And it's a mix of everything. Well, I am a man and woman of many colours and places. Uh, It's And by colours, I mean like like painting colours, not like skin colours, by the way. Um, I'm a very white, privileged guy. Uh, I'm owning that. Not owning it in a good way, in a a respectful way. Do you know what I mean? Taking, what's the word? I know what you mean, though. And I kind of talked
0: about this with Angie and talked about it with a friend. I'm a white man as well, and I'm a straight white man. And I'm that mm. far end of that spectrum. You're and, so privileged. But it, I'm joking. You, know, but, you know, it feels weird to say that. You almost have to, like, re-own it because now the, there is such a broad spectrum of people mm. that we accept. But that also means that there's people on the far end of it as well. And I'm on that far end of it. So it feels weird that you have to then kind of... Because, like I mentioned to you before we started, I'm a bit of a feel like a bit of an older generation. And for me growing up, that was never a discussion. It was male and female bathrooms. There was homosexual, bisexual was just coming into the kind of equation. So we didn't think about any of this. There was no having to be like, well, I'm a straight white male. Mm-hmm. But I think, is that, that's kind of what you mean by like your.
1: Yeah, like, um, yes, I mean, well, because what you have to, what I'm very uh, conscious of is that um, when you know, I'm doing a drag form that takes references from a lot of different places. And there are, I think, several, you have to be, I personally am very respectful, like with my drag and on things that I will do and things that I won't do. So just sometimes, of course, uh, communication is a very um, confusing thing sometimes. And Sometimes I just explain what I mean by a statement because someone who's listening might be like, oh, what do you mean? Like the colours, like as in like you're using drag to be different colours. Obviously, I'm not doing that. Um, so I'm just touching base and being like, hey, by the way, this is what I mean by that statement. Um, but you are right about the American accent thing. It's, it's very, very interesting. I am from Birmingham or Birmingham, as we call it. Um, And I just feel like my accent kind of evolved when I was. I studied in London, and in London, my voice became more international because I was hanging out with a lot of people from different places. And I kind of was like, hey, you've learned my entire language. The least I can do is speak clearly. Because people from Birmingham don't talk clearly. So.
0: Friends from Birmingham, from Solihull.
1: Oh, that's the nice area. I'm from the dirty, dirty end of Birmingham. Uh, uh, I'm proud of it. Uh, So. And then, yeah, so I already kind of had a kind of international accent and I was teaching and training and facilitating, so I wanted to be even clearer then, so it kind of neutralised. And then when I started drag, I got on stage for the first time to host and all of a sudden I was like this demure American woman and I have no idea where she came from, but I love it.
0: So tell us about that and how did you get into drag? Again, we'll get into definitions. What is a drag queen?
1: A drag... Well, it's a good question. I... I'm not sure I, mm. for me, it's less about being a drag queen. It's more about the art of drag. So for me, a drag queen is a person who is exploring their gender through the art of drag. And they're playing on the feminine aspect of gender, whereas a drag King is a person and it can be of any gender or sexuality who is exploring gender through the art of drag but in a more masculine way. Um but then a drag queen can express gender through their drag and it be very beyond gender. It can be they're going beyond human as my really good friend Popcorn would say. Another say, drag does queen. that
0: mean being an alien but then you just yeah. said yeah.
1: Try a post human, alien, animal. And so how did you get into that? Into drag, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> um, do you want the short story or the long story? You want all the time okay, in the oh world. You, have we, yeah. okay, darling? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the full tea. So, um, I actually I started performing when I was twenty-three or four, I think. In, but I started as a gender fuck performer. So that's fuck, not funk. <laughs> um, and you can get probably guess where the name gender funk came from. So I started uh, in festivals as a gender fuck artist. So gender fuck is an art form that's similar to drag, but you're playing with gender. So it's less, um, it's less about, it doesn't need to be super elevated. Like I feel like drag is very big and huge and um, has very specific makeup um, and wig and stuff like that. Whereas gender fuck is more just like playing with the, it's very gender bendery and i never really did makeup and stuff so i was doing that for like 3 years but always within like a very specific format and setting like radical arts festivals where you know everybody's an artist or crazy or whatever and it's a super safe space to perform and then i started doing drag when i was here so i moved here with one costume thinking that wouldn't be a part of my life here and i came here for a very different intention i came here to learn and Gain a different perspective, you know, as we're talking the whole white straight, (laughs) the white straight straight me. I mean, the whole white privilege thing. I was like, I want to gain a different perspective and like um, grow and be a better person and be more understanding. So I came to Vietnam and then I just cannot escape the glamour. So I found this night called Full Disclosure. Um, And I started to attend that. Absolutely loved it. Started to dress up. And then the founder of Full Disclosure, by the way, you should go to Full Disclosure. It's absolutely amazing. It's an incredible drag show. It happens regularly. They're doing pool parties and stuff. You should go. Um, He had to go back to England for a while. So myself and three other people like looked after it for him while he was away. And that's where I saw my, these skills I'd learned from organizing festivals kind of came out and I was like, oh shit, I forgot I had these. And so I worked on Full Disclosure for a while But I would had the idea for gender funk, which is a play on the word of gender fuck, the style of performance I love. Uh, And I love disco. I feel like it's a music genre that most people can dance to. It's very fun, light, playful. Um, And I'd had the idea for gender funk for seven years. Um, So when I was doing Full Disclosure, I was like, I'm literally doing exactly what I wanted to do with gender funk. But it just isn't my philosophy because genderfunk has a very specific mission, philosophy and what it's about. So when Gavin returned, I was like, <clears throat> full disclosure yours. Of course, I've had so much fun. Thank you so much. Here you go. Uh, and I started genderfunk kind of like lit off of full disclosure, but with my very, our, sorry, I should say, unique um, message of what genderfunk is because it's very, very different.
0: And so what is that mission and philosophy?
1: The philosophy of Funk is that we believe that the social construct or social idea of gender because is that society tells us that a man should do this and should act like this and be like this and that a woman should do this and be like this and act like this. We think it's absolutely ridiculous. We think it doesn't allow us to grow. It restrains us. And we actually think that it harms us. And there's lots of research that gives evidence of this. Um, so... Because we feel this, these gender roles are harming not just queer people, but all people, uh, we provide, we create spaces for people to explore gender so they can realize these rules are, they don't exist. Very famous drag king Landon Sider said, when you break a rule, you realize there are no rules and then you're free. So that's kind of the purpose of gender funk is like, we want you to come express your gender in some way, like play with it a little bit and realize, oh, hang on, this isn't a thing. This isn't real. And then when you realize that you can wear what you want, you can behave how you want, as long as you're being kind, respectful and not harming other people. So that's our the overall philosophy of gender funk. It's not actually an LGBT party. It's a queer party because que- and it's inclusive. It's inclusive of all people, straight people, have gender issues too because what's important to differentiate is that sexuality and gender are totally different things your sexuality is how your attraction to people and even that's very fluid your gender is <clears throat> how you identify so gender funk it's not about sexuality it's about i mean there is it plays into it a lot but it's more about gender and everyone has gender issues i mean not everyone i'm sure there's some cool people out there who have got it all sorted um and brother, brother um, come to gender funk and tell people about it. But um, yeah, it's it's welcome for everyone. I mean, the, the privileged straight white male have some of the worst problems of gender, and I, we reach out to them and we welcome them. We did a whole show for straight men.
0: Well, um, I mentioned to Angie in just one of the previous episodes. I was looking at coming to gender funk, because so I've heard such great things about it and wanted to see what was going on. And so I actually went onto your Facebook page to look at the pictures of previous event, previous events, to find out what people wore. So I was like, I, like, I just will. I'm pretty bland fashion sense. So do I have to go and get like an outfit or something like that? And so I went on and I saw, I saw one of my friends in the picture who's just dressed, you know, normal T-shirt and things like that. I was like, all right,
1: well,
0: maybe I can go. The problem is it's too late. I'm an old man. It's on late at night, isn't it?
1: Some of them, we've just started a new show called Just Drag. Uh, and that's an earlier show. So it finished, the show starts at 10 and 11. Um, so it's a much earlier show because we realized there's, a big part of the queer community um, and extended community who do want to see shows, but they don't want to wait till midnight and they don't want to be in that club night setting. So that would be, that would be
0: me. Yeah. Yeah. Included in that. Yeah. That would be just because I'm in bed by twelve normally, you
1: know? And that's the thing, like gender funky is a very community thing. So we were like, you know, we look to our community and we're like, what do they want? What, you know, we want to provide this space for them. We want to provide entertainment to our community and to these people. And, who are they? And we identified, like, we're missing a big part of the community by having all these late shows at these big spaces. So Just Drags now at the Baroness, we just did the first one on Friday, and it was super successful. Loads of people who I know in the career scene, but I never see them at big events. We're all there. And I was like, oh, cool, it's working. Like, you know, we did this for you. Um, Because we want to see you there, and we want you to be able to enjoy the art and the entertainment.
0: Yeah, so I'll have to look out, so what um what's been the reaction then from the local community to, to gender funk
1: um, <clears throat> yeah, let me cough as well sorry well. <clears throat>
0: so what's been the reaction from the local community to gender funk?
1: I feel that the overall reaction to gender funk has been extremely positive um, from what I know. Um, In terms of the local community, it's hard to tell because I feel like mainstream local Vietnamese people, like perhaps, don't know of gender funk. They don't know what it is. Maybe they've seen the name, but they don't know what it is. It's still quite underground. I feel it's very quite restricted to like not restricted, but it's more within the nightclub art expat scene or young queer Vietnamese. So I can't really say about mainstream Vietnamese uh, community and culture, but. Feel free to tell me how you feel about it uh, but the the young queer local Vietnamese scene um, mostly are in love with it because we do it for them like um, and that's one of my favorite parts of the show is when I 'm at the show I'll see these young local um, Vietnamese queers, and I'll just see them at every show and I'll see them growing and becoming more bold and more confident with costumes and makeup and trying new stuff and evolving and I make it my point to go over and be like you're looking good girl or like you need to tease that wig a bit girl like give them a little tip but you know make it known that like I, I am seeing you like I do see that you're pushing your boundaries and you are growing um and that just gives them the confidence to keep going and that's the whole point is like another point of gender funk sorry and another point of queer culture is that when queer people are expressing themselves and trying to grow, they don't really get validation because you can't get validation from society or your parents in a lot of circumstances because they don't see that as a good thing. They don't want to affirm that. Like, they think that that's a bad thing. that You're not supposed to act feminine when you're a man. So I feel like it's important in the queer community for us to be affirming each other and being like, hey, you look fierce. You look amazing. Because then they're like, oh, cool. I want to I wanna do this. I want to do more of this. And it gives them... Support to grow more, um, which they aren't getting from everywhere else, and like I can give you an example. There's, um, I can give you a few actually. For example, on Friday, just drag our first performer of the night was Erotica, and Erotica a year ago just used to come to an, the events. And I s- remember the first time Erotica came to the event and said hello to me, and then the se- and he wasn't he she they wasn't Erotica. Then it was Hugh, and then the next event came with makeup on the next event had this hideous wig on um but it doesn't matter i could see that she was like getting better and every event she got better and better and better so i keep my eye on these little new talents and then she competed in saigon is burning which is our drag show that is a platform to launch new artists so we basically take five people from our community who we've noticed are either working hard or being artistic we give them a team Uh, We train them for a month. Uh, We give them a makeup artist, a drag mom. We do choreography. And we basically say, you know that cool creative idea that you've had in your head for years and years and years? We're going to give you the resources and the support to make it happen because you're part of our community and we want to make your dreams come true. Um, And then they compete. It's like a battle format. It's super fun. And then, but the other part of it is that it's a launching pad for for new artists. Like we want to grow this community and our brand of drag. And it's working. There's like 40, 50 drag queens who have come from this event. And Erotica started as just a little queer boy in the party and then was on Saigon is Burning and now he's getting paid to be one of my professional performers at events. So it's, you can see it's working. It's working, yes! All the hard work and the death. I nearly died. That's an exaggeration.
0: And would you agree that that, it's a very surprising part of the kind of Saigon Vietnam culture. Like when you go back home, are people shocked to learn that this is going on here?
1: They are. I think people are shocked that it's happening because they just don't have an understanding of Vietnam. Whereas like Vietnam's like totally chill. Like like. Um.
0: Well, Saigon is.
1: Saigon is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that's why I've been corrected on that. It's, Saigon is yeah. very different to the rest of Vietnam.
1: True with drag however there is really good drag in the north in hanoi like um i know a lot of the hanoi drag we have hanoi's burning like gender funks in the north as well so although like the the structures maybe aren't as good as in the south um the drag scene is diff- very different and v- in and very cool in different ways like for example in the north what i really love about the northern drag scene is um i feel like unfortunately because of the restrictions on Uh, venues and late night stuff like they are limited in what event spaces they can have which of course limits a lot of the stuff you can do however in terms of diversity the north are slaying like they have loads of drag kings which i am obsessed with right now it's one of my favorite things in drag at the moment they have a really cool community of artists that are all supporting each other um so yeah they're 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 slaying up in the north they're doing really well like nice like peach um Queen of Hanoi and Wet and La Like, yeah, there's some really cool stuff there.
0: And so, to go back, what, are you, what do people back home say then when you tell them, like, this is
1: what's happening in Vietnam? I don't know. I think I had to, like, oh, make it a bit more real for them because, obviously, when you're just getting Facebook and Instagram reference points, I go back and they're like, you're the RuPaul of Vietnam and I'm like, girl, I'm not the RuPaul of Vietnam, like, at all. Like, I'm like low-key club well-known, do you know what I mean? It's not, let's not make this an ego trip it's not a thing that's nice to hear what do you mean that you're the RuPaul of (laughs) Vietnam That's gonna make you feel good um it I just don't see it like that like I mean it's cool it's nice like but I'm just like you have the wrong idea like can
0: I title this episode the RuPaul
1: I don't I'll probably get sued um (laughs) no because it's like I would I mean I do have a lot of respect and love for RuPaul as for what he has done for the world um for drag for example But I feel like, and he is a massive inspiration, like spiritual as well. It's actually the spiritual and the business sides of RuPaul that I really respect and honor. However, my artistic drag, I don't get my inspiration for RuPaul from that. Like drag for me is more art than this homogenized product. I mean, I think that's important to also have. Like if you want to do your art and you want to make money off your art, you want to sustain your art, you need money. So you do need to apply your art to different formats to make money um, so you can buy more shit and do more art. <laughs> so I do respect RuPaul for that, and I get a lot from him, but I, maybe some of the rules of the TV show, there are like some negatives of it, like, like kind of framing this is what drag is, when drag is so open. And that's where genderfunk differs to kind of the main image of drag is genderfunk is super, super open and fluid with our definition of drag. And we, it's invited, it's inclusive of everyone. We have drag queens from all different genders, all different identities. Who's the
0: oldest and the youngest?
1: <clears throat> if you ask the kids, they'll all say me. I think I am as well, which is shady. It's the shadiest thing ever. How old are you? I'm not old, darling. I'm young. <laughs> How young are you? Uh, 29. I'm 29. I'm 30 in a week. You're a baby. Yeah. Um, baby. Yeah. But I think I am the oldest. Let me think. From genderfunk, I'm pretty sure I'm the oldest. Which is ridiculous because, like, when I started doing genderfunk performances or when I lived in Europe, I was the baby of the group. Like, all my friends are, like, 50 and 60 years old in, in Europe. Uh, or, like, 40, 50, 60. They're much older. So I just have a wise in mind. So, yeah, here I've got this mother role which really shocked me. I don't know. What, I didn't expect it at all because I was, like, the baby who was just finding my footing and stuff. But then... I think I just didn't realize how lucky I was to have been, to have had my experience that I've had at such a young age in Europe and to be, have been in this radical festival scene and had these amazing mentors providing me with these alternative lifestyle references. When I came to Vietnam and I met, I hadn't been hanging out with, nor- let's say, normal people, not in a bad way, but, like, I'd only been within very alternative spaces for three years. So when I kind of came back to Main Street Society, I was like, whoa, I forgot about this. Like, this is boring. Like, oh my God. For me, like, it's, as long as you're happy, you know, I'm sure you're not bored. Not you, but the mainstream societies. Um, I hope you're not anyway. If you are, come to gender <laughs> camp. Um So, yeah, I, I just found it difficult coming to Vietnam at first, not because of the culture of that stuff I was loving. Um, I found it more difficult just being back in a mainstream society, like going to normal bars. I was like, what is this? Like, it's really expensive. It's dirty. I can't lie on the floor. um, I can't wear what I want. Like, this is terrible. So I was here for six months, and then I went back to all my festivals that are a huge part of my life. I came back, and I was like, I can't live here with this. And that's another reason why I got found Full Disclosure and then started GenFilm was like, I just need a space where I can be fabulous, and there aren't that many. So if you can't find it, build it.
0: And that's exactly what's come up time and time again. i interview people especially in the creative space or even in the business in the business space as well is because vietnam is so new so developing in a developing sense coming becoming modernized very quickly Mm -hmm. there's a massive gap right now in a space for people like yourself you're saying you're so young but you've got all this experience you can come over and you can start something same with restaurants same with like so many people have come when they come on the podcast say you know i couldn't do this back home i give a friend who's a musician here he gets paid to be a musician, and this was last week, and I won't say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But he's an amazing musician. And last week he said to me, he "said You know, the, the guy I play with, we think we're really average. And if we were back home, we would never get paid gigs. But here, we like get four or five paid gigs a week, and we pretty much make a living out of playing music. It's amazing. And I think as well, with podcasting. <laughs> like there wasn't many podcasts when I started. There's more now. I probably wouldn't have started a podcast if I looked and been like, oh, there's all these other
1: ones. I'm not going to bother." it's very true and sorry i'm sick (laughs) um it's true and i think it's very important to realize like i'm realized that massively um i think one is to realize like how lucky i am that to that vietnam has enabled given me this opportunity like the space of vietnam has given me this opportunity we're in a
0: really unique time i feel like because it's not going to last Forever,
1: right? oh gender funk will last forever. Yeah.
0: You will be. But I mean,
1: the calling it to... in your grave. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: the opportunity to start gender
1: funk, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Very, 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 very true. And like, what's even more important, I think, is like one thing that I massively recognise is that because I get a lot of praise for gender funk for for like you know, like, I mean, after the show, I spend two hours of just people being like, "Oh my god, you're so amazing!" I'm like, I know, right? I'm joking. Uh, no, and I, the thing is, is I, I say to people, I'm like, look, I just am very lucky to have been born in a country and to have lived a journey and an experience where I I've, I've have all these skills that I've learned, uh, and I'm very lucky to have had these skills. I worked very hard to learn these skills, and I, you know, went out and found these skills, and I take validation and credit for that. But at the end of the day, I am extremely lucky, and I'm very understanding of the circumstances that enabled me to have them. So, What I'm doing is I just realized I have these skill sets. It doesn't make me any better than anyone else. I just have these skill sets. So I'm applying my skill sets to create a stage and to organize um, a space for these artists to do their stuff because they are incredibly talented. Like, this is the tea. My drag children are way more talented than me at makeup, art, dance, like, all of that judge. I just have loads of skill sets that i'm lucky to have so i'm happy to use my skill sets to build this stage for them to express their art because they don't have those skill sets yet and part of genderfunk is they are learning those skill sets throughout it so i think it's like when i do get praise i'm like look it isn't when the only pronoun i'm particular about you know people are like you must call me a hishu which is you know that's their right to club call for me, the only pronoun I'm very particular on is the you pronoun, When people are like, you did this? I'm like, no, no, we did this. Like, yes, I'm the crazy bitch who, with the spreadsheets, and is like dragging, pun intended, everyone together, but I couldn't do this if you weren't working at the door. I couldn't do this if these damn artists weren't here to do this, the judge. I couldn't do this if you weren't supporting me. So genderfunk is a massive we. And on top of that, it's also that genderfunk really is just a space for people to express themselves they do all the work i just open the gate and kick them down it with heels um and that was something that was provided to me in the festival scene before i got in the radical arts festival scene in europe i was not being creative and other people had voluntarily created this space for me and when i landed in that scene that's where i explored and became esta ricardo And so really everything I'm doing in Vietnam is an extension of what people did for me in Europe. So it's just flow and extension. So I don't take massive credit for it. Like I take credit for the hard work I do because I work really hard. But we're we're all doing this. Like loads of fabulous people did this before. I'm passing on their fabulous gift. It will be passed on past me. And can't we all just like luxuriate and bathe in all our collective fabulousness rather than being like, yeah, I'm the best one. I'm the biggest queen. It's like, fuck that girl. Sit down. You're a, a man, woman or a thing in a dress in some fabulous clothes. We're all having fun. Let's just have fun and make you a flirt.
0: Talking of definitions, what's your definition of fabulous?
1: Anything, really, for me. For me, things that are fabulous are things that bring good to the world. Like Because I always say, like, the most fabulous, you know what is more fabulous than any dress I will ever wear or any outfit I should ever wear, should I, I don't really wear dresses that often, um, is, for example, uh, I'll meet someone who works for ICS charity, uh, this LGBT nonprofit, or I'll meet someone who works for the, the Green Bamboo Shower, I think it's called, um, I always confuse the name. I'll meet someone from there and it's like someone who's wearing like a white t-shirt flip-flops there's no excuse for flip-flops, by the way. I'm saying this recorded. Um, I just hate them. Sorry, we won't get into it. I just can't stand them. Um, so they're wearing white T-shirt, flip-flops, and shorts, but they work twenty 7 They dedicate their life and sacrifice all of the, you know, aesthetic things and a lot of hobbies and interests, whatever, to help other people who really really need it and i think that's the most fabulous thing in the world it's more fabulous than anything i do um so that's it. it's fabulous is it can be used in many different contexts
0: am not gonna let you go by that what's wrong with flip flop
1: listen right girl <laughs> i i know it's me i accept that they are socially acceptable everywhere else i know that they're cool you can flip them on and off i get the whole thing but one i just don't like how they look i don't like that your toe is split by this thing and then the sound they make. Well,
0: you know what they're called in Australia, though?
1: Ah, uh, thongs. Yeah.
0: yeah. I just... Does that not make them more fabulous if they're called thongs?
1: <laughs> no, because thongs aren't that fabulous anyway. Thongs are uh, a bit, uh, I don't know, the English reference of thongs. I'm kind of, yeah. Uh, um, no, I just can't stand them. I just think they're vile. The sound they make, they look horrible people are flapping around plus i associate like brits abroad with them i have no problem with people having them like i know i'm I am on the, the one with issue yeah you can wear them anywhere you want it's just never going to work for me I told like you wear on the beach barefoot, barefoot barefoot or i'll wear some kind of sandal maybe okay
0: so no we're getting deep.
1: What's the difference between a sandal and I, flip flop? I, it's <laughs> my definition of a sandal. Like my sand- a sandal for me is more a closed affair, a closed right. toe kind of affair. I don't mind sliders. like sliders. Not those nike sliders, you eat that- a slider? Oh, they're like crisps, aren't they? No,
0: a slider's like a mini hamburger.
1: I didn't know that. You I'm gluten free. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually gluten free. My life is so funny because G F means gluten free and G F means gender funk, so my that's and those are the two biggest components of my life
0: <laughs> <laughs> but gluten free is just like a hipster trend oh not, fuck
1: it, all the way up it's, no, not, it,
0: it's I am, not a real thing
1: excuse me what i am a celiac i have the disease of celiacism let me educate you now
0: people say it's not a real disease
1: well who are these people do they have phds because i want to see you i've been to real doctors i've had cameras up down everywhere else if you are telling me that you are more experienced in research than PhD doctors with cameras down my throat, then I will start listening. So but... It's not just a hipster trend. No, there is a hipster trend, of course.
0: I'm obviously joking, but I, I know I, it's I know. frustrating when people will kind of say things like that. You know, like, all these people are gluten free, and you're like, I'm pretty sure if they could eat gluten, they would eat gluten. You know
1: what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No. Honestly, you're not. It's for me. It's a whole joke. Like I play with it on stage all the time. My fr- <laughs> we play with it all the time. Me and my friends. The thing is, yes, there is a hipster scene to the whole gluten-free thing. I can't believe it. my friends are gonna die that we're talking about this. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Shut up, Ricardo," because like it's like a running joke in our friendship group. Like someone will be like, "Do you want a beer?" I'm be like,
0: "I'm gluten-free."
1: Like and everyone just like, "Oh, shut up, well, Ricardo." I offered
0: you a beer, and the first thing you said was, "I'm gluten-free."
1: I met because I make it. What I love is like something that people have a negative concept of, of me and my life or something, I, I go super far with it as a satirical way. For example, when I was younger, people would be like, oh, you're so gay, you're so gay, you're so gay. And it started to affect me. So I was like, okay, how can I reclaim this? I was like, you want to see gay? I am gonna be the most gay you have ever seen, so now you will see me in the cut-off little booty shorts, you'll see me with the football socks up to my knee, I'll be wearing a crop top with my little sailor boy hat and I'm just, like, prancing around, like, yeah, I'm really gay, like, and I just, like, take it to the extreme, I radicalise it as a way of me processing it and taking charge of it.
0: And what was the reaction when you dressed like that, then?
1: They live, they live for it. Like, here's the the thing, Um, so, for me, I struggled with my gender and sexuality for a very very long time actually um i only came back to my mom when i was 25 which is super late especially for someone who's megazord gay like me so and the shift for me was i spent so much of my life being restricted and not being creative and not being my true self because society the government everyone told me that you're a man and acting this way is a bad thing it's negative so i didn't do it And then I was lucky enough to be put on this path or kind of maybe manifested it in a way. And I found this festival scene where, and I went on my own to this festival and it was this open playground where I could do what I wanted. It was a safe space. So then I started to experiment and explore my queerness. And there was one festival called Borderland and I joined a queer camp. So I turned up at this queer camp thinking there's going to be loads of dick. Um, And it was predominantly like male, female couples who are queer for sure, but that shocked me, this idea of queer being like male and female couples, mostly, I was like, um, where are all the single gay men, that's why I'm here, Um, it's not, but I I wanted, I thought that's the space I'd be in.
0: Sorry, just quickly to interrupt, a queer camp, it sounds like the opposite to, um, what's the camp Inversion camps, is it? Ah, uh, yeah. It sounds like the opposite to
1: that. <laughs> well, what? <laughs> it's not that we do. Actually, we do. We did have rituals and stuff, but no. It's 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 because at these festivals you band together and build camps, and it's where you sleep and you co- collectively cook and stuff. So there's loads of different camps, but yeah, queer camp, yeah. The next genderfunk project project. Um, you're gonna catch it. <laughs> so what was interesting was it was just a very different definition of queer than what I was used to, and then. What I discovered, and what was—this is a message I bring to gender folk all the time—is that my whole life I was not being myself because society told me that is bad, it's wrong. Then when I went to this festival thing, this queer camp, I was being my true self. I was being my most queer and femme in camp, and they were loving it. They were like celebrating it. They were living for it. They were like, "Yes! Oh my god, we love this. We love this. We love this." So it was that affirmation really from, let's say, straight, more straight-ish people, what people would define as straight, that gave me the confidence. And then it was like this shift in my mind. It was absolutely insane. Like, I remember being on the plane. And when I walked into that festival and for my whole life, I'd been asking for acceptance. I was like, accept me for being like this. Accept my femme. Accept my camp. Please accept me, society, because you're telling me this is wrong. And I want acceptance. I need acceptance because I feel shit about myself. And it flipped and I was like, bitch, I don't need your acceptance. I know I'm a kind, loving person and I know I'm fabulous. I'm not asking for anything anymore. It's an invitation now. I'm inviting you to come and celebrate my queerness and all the benefits it can bring you your life, not the other way around. Um, Being queer is diversity, it's color, it's happiness, it's love, it's support, it's art. And I'm so lucky to be queer. And I look at my friendship group and they're from all over the world. They're all different genders. They have been through terrible hardships, which make them so empathetic. And they're so supportive and loving and artistic and creative. And it's fabulous. And isn't that what the world needs? Straight people have done fuck the world up. And y'all looking at us like, oh, we're like asking for acceptance from the straight world when the straight world has fucking the world up. And I'm like, shouldn't you be looking to different people to try and change the game? Like, Things aren't working globally, like I feel anyway. Like, there's a lot of problems. Why can't we look for alternative inspirations? The queer scene, different minority groups, colours, places in the world, those are the places where we can look for different ways to structure
0: ourselves. 100% but all straight white men are the last group of people that are going to do any of that, unfortunately. (laughs)
1: But they're also going to die soon, so...
0: <laughs> no, I'm, 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 no, 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 no that's a bold-faced truth about it, and I think a lot of people, definitely younger generation, even younger than me, are waiting for that to happen. Like, in Scotland, with the referendum to become a free from the United Kingdom, it was the older people that overwhelmingly voted to stay in the union, and the younger generation overwhelmingly voted to leave. And I know there was a lot of kind of like, well, you're all going to die soon, you're not going to live long enough to see what this is going to mean the young population want this to happen and i think that's why the referendum i'm not i don't i don't want to speak like an expert because I'm, i barely even know anything so ignore everything i'm saying <laughs> the young i think that's why there will be another referendum because that younger generation and the last thing i read just last week was the older generation they were a survey of older people and they were saying yeah now we made a mistake
1: that you kind know, of the results of the survey mm-hmm. we want to do that but um I think what there's an important thing I think to note here is that, like, you, you know, you, you said, like, the old straight white people. Yeah, I get it. And I do, I believe in that. Yeah, they are causing a lot of problems in the world. There is too much power there. And this is, we're reaching an age where people, minority groups have been empowering each other enough, like, and, you know, really banding together that it's coming to a point when we have got the confidence and the drive and the fabulousness, in my opinion, to start being like, yeah, we demand equality now. Like, it's not even a question anymore. Like, well, there's enough of us to yeah. be like, yeah. And how
0: many people in politics or in positions of power are now from minorities that 10, 20 years ago would, wouldn't ever, ever get there, whether it's color, gender, whatever. That Trans politicians and things like that. You yeah,
1: know? and it's amazing. They are definitely stepped in the right direction. What I think is important for me, and this is me as an individual speaking, and, I, and also, in turn, a lot of gender funks philosophy is this is that um, at Genderfunk, we are not hating... We'll make jokes about it, but we are not hating straight white people at all. Like, a lot of... I cry out as straight white people because this is a really important point for me, is that at the end of the day, you can't help how you're born. If you're born a straight old white person... I well, you're not born old. But, <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, you know, if you're old now, you were born 60 years ago as a straight white person you were born into that experience and you lived that experience and you were educated in that way. That's not your choice. You didn't choose that. So I don't hate you for being born and being educated that way. What, what is more important to me is to try and build a bridge and a connection for us to understand each other so we can make the world better for both of us. So I, I feel like there is a radical liberal movement that is like, you know screw the straight people, white people, they're evil. And you know, They're not the best, but they're not bad. They're not bad people. That's just how they were taught the world is. And we're not going to get anywhere by shouting at each other and creating distance. We need to have parties together, and that's what Genderfunk is. It's an invitation to, like, hey, come and have a drink with us, party with us, and see that this is a great, fabulous thing, and maybe it will change your perspective. So that's why we did, like, the straight guys edition, and that's why, like, we are an inclusive space is because I have nothing against anyone i don't care what color you are as long as you you can't choose how you were born your experience but you can choose to change it when somebody provides you with different information and you can choose to grow if someone has patience and gives you an opportunity to if you decide to not grow and not be grateful of that patience then you're a dick and i will call you straight but most people aren't most people that i meet that aren't white and straight like and i talk to them about this stuff they're like oh cool so what about this they ask nice questions. And if we're shouting at straight people all the time, like, you've got my pronoun wrong, you've done this, they're not going to ask questions. And then they're not going to learn about us, and we can't be friends. And at the end of the day, we all got to live in this world, and there's more straight people than queer people. So we got to be nice. I think
0: that that is, um, I don't want to say part of the problem, part of the challenge. Thanks for listening to episode eight of season two, Seven Million Bikes, a Saigon podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. I've decided to split this episode into two parts because Ricardo was so interesting. He had so much to talk about and I enjoyed listening to him so much. It went on a little bit and I thought instead of putting out another long episode, we'd break it into two parts. It'd be great to know your feedback. A lot of my episodes are over one hour. It's not intentional. Uh, I like to talk a lot. I find my guests really interesting and I feel the natural conversation seems to last about an hour. Um... But is that too long? Would you rather have more two-parters? Would you rather I just shortened the interviews and kept them more succinct? Or are you just happy to listen to me and my guests talk on and and have the natural conversations that we are? So I don't know. Let me know what you think. It's good to hear your feedback. Um, I hope you enjoyed that, though. And please listen in next week for part two, where we talk more about sexuality, gender, um, and straight white men in the world, and how fabulous Ricardo is, which he is. He was a really entertaining guest. As always, thank you to Lewis Wright for composing the theme tune to 7 Million Bikes, which is still uh, one of my favorite things to listen to. And thank you to Lane Wynn for helping me design the cover art as well. You can get 7 Million Bikes anywhere you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anything like that. You can drop me a line, 7 bikes at gmail.com or please go on the Facebook page Give it a like, send me a message, leave a review. Let me know that you're out there and you're listening and if you're enjoying the show or any other feedback that you have. So keep listening, keep tuning in, and enjoy part two next week with Esther Ricardo.